Hello, 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 hello. Guess what, guys? We're talking about fan art during today's episode, and today we are interviewing Holly Dundesign, also known as Fantastical Feminism. Isn't that the coolest fucking username you've ever heard in your fucking life? Yes, it is. So please follow her on Instagram. She's also one of my coaching students for the Women of Illustration coaching program, and we're going to talk about fan art today. Is fan art a huge waste of time or the next gold mine? So let's get into it today with Holly. Hi, Holly. Hello. Thank you for having me, Dina. I'm so excited to have you with your delightful accent. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird because I I host a podcast and usually I'm the one asking the questions. So this feels a little bit bit more chilled out in some ways. It's kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because me and her talk the most like out of any other person I've ever coached. So it's like we talk all the time. Yeah, you are. You have the number one spot in my heart and also my wallet. I really appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) Worth every penny. Uh, I I didn't tell her to say that, you guys. She's saying that on her own free will. That's why I'm still Um, here. (laughs) No, I love doing coaching with you because you're just, first of all, she like gets fully dressed and like wears makeup and has like this vintage hairstyle every time I (laughs) talk to her. And I'm sitting here and like, I've been wearing this sweatshirt for two days. I don't do put any makeup on or effort into my appearance. I'm just like, oh, hello, adult woman. (laughs) Like, let me give you advice on how to be an artist. (laughs) Uh, And I was, I think it's badass of you. And you told me you do that because it like gets you better in the mindset to be productive. Yes, it's, um, yeah, it, I, I think I, I read somewhere once ages ago that, you, you know, you, you sort of dress the way you want to feel. And I really took that on board and started experimenting with different different ways of dressing. And the it, it just sort of became more and more vintage. And I love the 1940s, especially because it's the time when kind of women really took over and you know, cause all the men were off at war. So the women were doing all the, the factory work and the jobs that men would normally do so i kind of like what it represents as well Hmm. yeah you're you're so cool huh (laughs) you really are like i just wear the clothes that i design which i guess is cool but that's super cool it's all just like sweatshirts man and hoodies and like leggings that i keep having to buy new ones every three months because my left thigh is bigger than my right thigh it's a thing um but if that's what makes you feel the best or the most yourself then, yeah, whatever makes uh, me the yeah. least aware that I'm wearing clothes. That's that's <laughs> that's really because I just want to be naked all the time. But I also like to have my windows open, and I live on the main street mm. of my small town. So yeah, we've got a couple. Of lucky so if you ones. have to wear clothes, then wear clothes that you've designed. Yeah. So Makes if sense. you guys want to wear clothes that don't feel like clothes, shop right now at Lettershop.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So tell me a little bit about you, Holly. Like, what's your style? What kind of art do you make? Well, you, you've caught me at a sort of a point of transition i'm i'm pivoting um or i've just pivoted so th- this is a really interesting time because i'm not entirely sure what i'm doing but it feels really great so i'm going to keep doing what i'm doing uh, <laughs> basically i was doing book cover design that was my main thing for ages it's kind of i i looked at my my skills and my interests and i went okay what what is at the intersection of all of these and what can i actually make money with and book design was absolutely that thing and mm. i've always been an avid reader and it, it just yeah, i studied english and art history at, at university and it all it all just sort of made this perfect sense um but more recently i've been doing more of the feminism stuff and that does actually that links in with the the fan art and fan art is part of the reason why I'm now doing what I'm doing. 
so that's a, a sort of quite nebulous, broad overview of, of what I'm doing. But uh, yeah, I always find it super hard to put into words what you're doing in terms of um, illustration and visual stuff. <laughs> Okay. So, I mean, go, right. go go and look at Instagram, basically. <laughs> All right. Ask me my style and what I do for a living. Oh, you're going to be super good at this. <laughs> All right. Yeah. What 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 do you do, Dina? Oh, hey, I'm so glad you asked, Holly. That's so nice for you to you know be interested in my work. Um. Well, so I do a lot of graphic art. A lot of people use the word pop art for what I do. I'm a digital artist. I mostly use my iPad Pro and Apple Pencil to make work. But it's really all about the meaning behind the work. I'm a storyteller, if you will. But I'm really passionate about like sharing my struggles so other people know that I'm broken as fuck as well. <laughs> so things like mental health and body positivity and just for a little extra sass and fun, uh, also cannabis culture. Mm. See, I have not yet nailed my new elevator pitch, which is going to be different mm. from my previous elevator pitch, which was more about the book design stuff. So I need to work on that. <laughs> Damn it, I, I mean, you just pivoted, what, like a, a week ago? Two weeks ago? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. All right, you uh, you get a pass. Okay, thank but you. But to everyone else listening, <laughs> do you have an elevator pitch? And notice that she, when she asked me the style question, it's different from the, like, what do you do for a living question? Mm. And also you have to be mindful of like, who's asking you that question. If it's like a Uber driver, you got to be careful not to use words that they will not understand. Because if it, the first thing that people think when you're like, I'm an artist, they're like, oh, no, that's <laughs> sad for you. Like, they just feel bad for you. <laughs> Yeah, and you throw in the word feminism as well, and it's like, what? What, roll. what is going on? <laughs> I know, I've, I've kind of come to realize that because I've had a couple of people ask me, oh, what are you doing now recently? I'm sort of going, okay, I need I need a better answer for this now because I am doing something different and it's really exciting, but I don't know how to say it without it sort of terrifying people. <laughs> because now what I'm doing is it's to do with feminism, but through a kind of fantastical lens, because obviously feminism is having its moment. Um, obviously <laughs> it should always be having a moment. It shouldn't even be a thing, let's be honest. But um, the well, we shouldn't need it. But um, then fantasy is also having a moment or it has been having a moment for the past decade or so so um and it's something that i love i've always loved and um the the two go really nicely together and i haven't really seen anyone else doing that at least not in the way that i'm doing it so yeah i think it's fucking genius (laughs) it's like think of it as like storybook feminism like because like yeah like every fucking disney movie ever made how sexist it was like mm-hmm. oh i'm snow white and i just couldn't possibly like do anything on my own i just need a sweet prince to whisk me away oh, you've it's nailed like that oh voice. my god damn it like i just assumed i don't does she even know she talks i was like it wasn't a silent she movie d- it was an old yeah. movie but there's 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 dialogue um i mostly just remember the dwarfs and how cool and, and cute they were i just wanted to boop them on the nose it's so cute um but like Something I really dig, and I think is like how this even came about. There was this one piece that you did. I'm scrolling back to it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to mm. find you. Oh, here we go. Dragons this is how one. I knew. Yeah. I slay my own dragons. Yeah. And it's this woman with badass fucking red fire hair. And she's like wearing full on like, I don't know if it's armor or if it's just, she's just like a fancy royal. But it's like, that's when I was like, yes, that's. <laughs> Because there's so much sim- symbolism in a, in a graphic like that. And also, I say this all the time, when you add text yeah. to your art, it's going to do better. Because people don't have to guess what you're trying to say. And when me and Holly first met, she was doing like Harry Potter fan art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had to be like, you shouldn't do that. 
<laughs> like because fan art's great in my and we're going to get into that's obviously the entire point of the episode yeah. but it's just like i always worry about like copyright infringement and yes there are scenarios where you can get the rights Mm -hmm. to talk about something that is popularized like harry potter or something else like that but when you're trying to build an audience you're building an audience based on someone else's work yeah versus your own work which kind of sucks like that i don't like it um so here let's get into it okay what do you think are the benefits of doing fan art that you've experienced well i mean ben really it's it's what got me started and what got me um what built me an audience to begin with um so when i started out doing book design i was doing covers just books that i liked and i would i would look for books that that i liked but didn't have great covers and i'd go okay right i'm gonna i'm gonna give this book the cover it deserves and um (laughs) of course then there's only so far you can go with that and then i started thinking okay what a other sort of angles I can take so I decided to do a 30-day project like an Inktober project but it was in July or something um and I thought oh well there are all these textbooks in the Harry Potter universe and you know some of them have covers that you know there were covers made in the films but there, there are lots more that are mentioned in, in the books that don't have covers. So I thought, okay, well, I could do 31 of these as a project. And it just seems kind of fun. It's a way for me to practice my lettering, practice illustration. I didn't have any plans to do anything with this particularly. I just wanted to basically knock out a whole lot of work in, in a short period of time. And um, it kind of took off. Um, I, I mean... On a, I only had probably about thousands subscribers or followers at that point, and yeah, it got a lot of attention, and and I started to sort of build an audience based on that, and um, then I got all these questions of people saying, "Oh, are you going to sell these?" And I hadn't really planned on on selling them to begin with, and and I thought, well, I suppose I could you know, print a few and see how they do. Because I, I had sold my designs in the past and they hadn't done amazingly well. You know, you'd sell one or two things and I just thought, is is it worth doing? So I tried this and they sold out within, I think it was about an hour or something. I didn't well, print that awesome. many. But yeah, they, they, they sold really quickly. So I thought, okay, well, there's, there's something here. And... Um, so then I did a second batch. And at this point, I started thinking, mm, okay, so fan art selling this, it, it, I, I wasn't totally comfortable with it, put it that way. Mm. Um, and so I started looking at lots, there are lots of videos out there on people people talking about fan art and, and trying to kind of justify it. And I think that sort of led me led me astray for a while. And, and <laughs> also the fact that so many people do it, um, especially like I'm really a part of this whole you know, bookstagram um part of instagram so people who love reading and there's a lot of merchandise and you know unlicensed stuff around in particular harry potter but lots of other fandoms as well so i kind of looked at it and went well all these other people are doing it and people who are a lot bigger than me are doing it so maybe it's okay and there there are sort of different 
different levels of, of fan art as well. I think um, Will Terry talks about this on his YouTube channel. And um, he talks about how transformative it is. So whether if you're taking something, say a still from a, a film, and you just draw oh, that. No. <laughs> oh, dear. She got disconnected. I was like, maybe if I just stay quiet for this very awkward pause, everything will be okay. <laughs> And then she just dropped out of the fucking audio. <laughs> she just left. All right, we'll give her a couple of seconds to see if she can come back. Man, I was so into that. Like, that whole car. I was like, oh, this is good. I'm going to take notes. Like, she said, her accent's so pretty. I can just listen to this girl talk all day long. And it's like, damn it. It didn't even work. Fuck. Well, that was awkward. <laughs> Glad that we got you back, Holly. Yep. We're good. We're good. Yay, technology. Okay, so what what were you saying? Um, I think I'd got up to saying that um, I was trying to sort of find, you know, doing research and trying to find ways to justify doing fan art and ways to sell it. Um, and I found there's, there's a video that Will Terry did uh, a little while back, I think in 2016, about drawing and selling fan art. And um, he, he goes into a, a lot of depth on it and he talks about the different levels of fan art so the the first level would be basically say you're drawing captain america and you just took a screenshot from the film or something you know one of the promotional images and redrew it then that's kind of the the first level of it that's the kind of thing i used to do a lot when i was um, practicing how to draw i drew lots of pictures of doctor who back when i was at, the, <laughs> at high school and um you know that that's that was definitely a, a helpful stage for me but I, I felt that what i was doing with these book covers was qu quite beyond that because i was taking something from the from the the books that didn't exist in real life and making it visual so it i i sort of used that to justify it to myself uh that you had yeah it, it was transformative in some way and it, he goes on to talk about the the different levels of it and when you get to the point where it's so transformative that you can't even tell that that it comes from the original um property so that's mm -hmm. that's a really interesting um video to to go and look at if you're interested in this topic <laughs> however um i i still i i used that as justification for a while but i still wasn't totally happy with it and what i've started seeing more recently in in the sort of bookstagram world is that authors are saying or, or not necessarily authors, but their agents, or they've signed a deal with, say, Netflix or or some other um, some other company that's going to turn their work into something else, and they mm -hmm. they now have the rights. And then the authors are having to say, no, you can't make and sell fan art of my stuff anymore, even though they were okay with it to begin with. And mm -hmm. that's something I've seen happen a few times now, and <laughs> um, it's. I had made I actually made the decision to stop doing fan art before this happened and I was very glad at that point that I had and um then actually quite recently Will Terry did a kickstarter 
um, where he did a whole lot of images of uh, of different different characters from all these different franchises in a book in his style in a kind of cutesy um yeah drawing darth vader as a baby kind of thing (laughs) um but his kickstarter got shut down uh, Mm. because of copyright infringement and you know he's been this kind of uh, champion of of fan art for for quite a while so um yeah it, it i think i made the right decision at the right time before this stuff happened and then these these things happened and i i went yep okay i definitely did make the the right decision but you know just when you make a decision and you know that it's right in your gut Mm -hmm. like i was i wasn't comfortable doing it um and and selling it so yeah now i i don't do it anymore and um because i think of it a little bit like so you can you can build it's like building a house on sand you know, it's it's going to stand for a little while, but you never know when a flood's going to come and just wash it away. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. Mm. So, like, just to kind of reiterate what you said. So, like, the, the difference between, like, commercial and promotional and personal use. Like, if yeah. you want to draw any character you want and you're in the privacy of your own sketchbook, I think that's totally fine. Do whatever Absolutely. you want. Like, you, you can even yeah. trace my fucking work exactly if you want to, as long as you don't post it. Yeah, like, that's that's sort of that's a learning process as well. Mm-hmm. And actually that's that's part of if you if you do like a traditional fine art program, then you part of what you do is you copy the old masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like when I was a kid, I had these set of Disney books that taught you how to draw each character. Like here's yeah. how you draw Pluto, here's how you draw Mickey Mouse. And I'm pretty sure if Instagram was around when I was seven um, <laughs> and I would have posted that they wouldn't have cared. Yeah, but it, there's such a line being crossed when you start to make money from it. Because, mm. yeah. like, as an artist, as someone who has had their artwork completely ripped off and sold without my permission or payment, it's a pretty horrifying feeling. And it's like, even though you're stealing content from a huge corporation, mm. it doesn't make it any more right. Because it's like, oh, fuck Walmart. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> people are so much more likely to steal from Walmart than they are like the small mom and pop grocery store down the street. Yeah. Like, that's fucked up. Like, it's still stealing. You know mm. what I mean? So it's just like, and also I see all these people, like, what was it? There's another person I was talking to as a, as a coaching session and her entire Instagram feed was being obsessed with Disney World. Mm. And all of her content was Disney World, Disney World, Disney World. And then as she wanted to pivot to art, of course, the first thing she thought of was, I'm going to do Disney art. Yeah, but she was running into the same issue. It's like, well, if you're actually trying to monetize this stuff, you're going to run into a lot of problems. And God forbid you're going to get sued. Hopefully people are nice and they just give you a cease and desist and they just kind of scare you a little bit. Or they get like a post removed from Instagram, very low stuff. But you could, if they wanted to, they could make an example out of you. Yeah. And fuck up your life. (laughs) I think the thing is that, especially if you see larger companies or artists with a larger following doing it, then you kind of think, well, they're going to go after these kinds of people, not after me. Uh, But then, of course, that's a problem because if you want to grow your following, then you are going to get to that point eventually. And then Mm -hmm. what do you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
there is somewhere, there's a website, I've heard of it, I don't know what it's called, so I'm not super helpful, but you just have to Google it, where you can buy the rights to like anything made by like Universal Studios or by Disney. And I even remember reading something that like Redbubble, for example, had had now licensing deals with mm. really big brands allowing um, artists to make fan art for them on that website if you were selling exclusively on Redbubble. So like there is a way around it, but... I definitely think like the whole concept of like, oh, it's fine until you get caught is just never a good idea. No, no. And I mean, licensing, that's the thing, right? You have to be, you have to be quite a big artist and you have to have the money to be able to do the licensing side of things because it's not cheap. Um, I, I've sort of tried to look into it and I've, I've given up because it seems, it seems way too complicated. <laughs> they probably make it complicated on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the other thing is that obviously companies know that this is happening. So take um, Warner Brothers. They know that all this Harry Potter fan art is happening and they, they're not shutting it down. Um, even at the sort of larger scales, like there are whole sort of book subscription boxes that, that base, you know, all their stuff is based on Harry Potter. And... Um, there, there seems to be some kind of understanding that they will just let it slide because you know it's kind of it's good for the fandom i guess yeah. it's like free um, advertising so. yeah yeah so in some ways yes it is good for them as well um but as as a business owner it's just it's a super uncomfortable feeling for, for me at least and i yeah it, it it just it didn't feel right and also knowing that you know, Warner Brothers could turn around tomorrow and say, no, no fan art anymore. Well, you're going to have to pay 50% of whatever you make to us. Mm-hmm. Wh- whatever oh. they decided to do. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. That's, and that is what we're seeing with, with some, not the bigger companies at the moment, but with some um, some authors who have you know sold the rights of their stuff to... to um, to be made into television or or film or whatever uh so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a bit it's a bit scary and um the thing is then pe- people get up in arms about it and i kind of go yeah but surely you knew this was this is kind of <laughs> this is how it works <laughs> but they just don't like a lot of people are just naive because well, a not- lot of customers are as well. And I think that's probably where I got led astray to start with because I, I was getting all these requests from people to, can you make these into products? And because they see all these other people doing it, it's sort of everyone thinks that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, as I said, I'm much, much more comfortable now not doing it. Yeah. But it is a it's a really difficult step to take because if you've built your house on this this sand and then you take away the sand like what what do you have left i i sort of i felt like my my work was really hollow so i thought okay shall i go back to doing um uh, kind of the the outside of copyright stuff so sherlock holmes alice in wonderland um mm. all the fairy tales you know without making reference to disney because they're all um public domain Mm -hmm. but there's only so far you can go with that as well because there's a a limited amount of it for starters and then if you try to so I I tried to sort of branch out a little bit and um, 
I, I did some work based on The Happy Prince, which is a, a fairy tale by Oscar Wilde that I've always loved. And I thought it was sort of relatively well known. Obviously, it's not Snow White or it's, it's not Cinderella. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought, oh, well, this this might do okay. And I spent so many hours doing this illustration based on it. And I, I'm really proud of it. It's got lots of detail and it, it really it speaks to me. <laughs> But it didn't speak to other people because hardly anyone had heard of the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, was, I, I felt like I was in this kind of weird limbo because my work only had meaning based on somebody else's mm-hmm. um, meaning that they had ascribed to it before, uh, which is just it's a, it's a really horrible feeling. And you go, oh, who am I? What am I? What What is what is the meaning of life anymore? I don't know. <laughs> So um, sort of an existential crisis and a half later, um, Mm -hmm. I I sort of decided, okay, this year, 2020 is the year when I am going to look at, look at myself really properly and figure out, you know, do the whole Simon Sinek thing, you know, the find your why book or um, start with why book. So I read that. I thought, okay, right, I can, I can do this. But the, the, the start with why book doesn't really give you the how to. It, it tells you why having a, a why, having a deeper meaning behind <laughs> what you do. Is the why behind the why. Okay. Yeah, why, why it matters to have a why. <laughs> um, but then he's put out a, another book or he's, he's co-authored with some other people about how to actually find your why. And um, that <laughs> that goes into you know, a lot more depth and sort of step by step. Unfortunately, it sort of involves doing a lot of really deep soul searching and it it sounds like it would be um, a very stressful situation to, to go through. Basically, what you do is you go through with somebody else. You, you write down all the the re, all the, um, the points of sort of highest emotion in your life. <laughs> so you make a list Fine. of them and then you go through with somebody else and they and you tell the the stories of what happened in each case and they sort of write down themes that they're noticing and um trying to to pick out a, a common thread throughout these things and i thought okay that that sounds like it would be a, a really hard thing to do for me right now so i i thought okay how can i do this in a slightly less um direct and um difficult way uh, so what i did was i went through all, all the books that I um, that I love, all the stories I love, and this is what I would recommend anyone do <laughs> if they're if they're trying to do a similar thing, because obviously there's something there, there's some core in things like Harry Potter that I was doing this art based on that really resonates with me and really resonates with other people as well. Um, so this is getting very long-winded, but I hope yeah, this I is like, useful, useful I, I to I can people. tell that I'm like self-absorbed because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, when was the last time I said anything? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do think that this is a, a really useful way of, of um, you know, getting getting to grips with what it is in the fan art that is, is working for you and working for your audience. So I went through and I, super nerdy wrote down a whole lot of themes. It was like being in a, you know, writing an English essay and um, you know, wrote down all the themes in these different stories that I could identify. And then I went back through each one and highlighted ones. I tallied up the themes that were coming up again and again. And um, 
Interestingly enough, those themes are things that I had been trying to inject into my work anyway. And so I was left with this this list of of things that I really care about and that really resonate me with me in literature. And I go, went, okay, so this is what I need to base my work on. And that's what's happening at the moment and it seems to be working. <laughs> No, I, I really like the combination too, because it's like you can take inspiration from the things that you read. You just yeah. can't steal the fucking characters in the book. Yeah. Like no one owns dragons. No. You don't own knights or princesses mm-hmm. or talking animals. Like yeah. no one does. That's just an idea. But to, like to be like, oh, Sammy the fr- frog person. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> just random <laughs> Sammy the frog person. If that's like a copyrighted character, you can't really like steal that because that's yeah. someone else's original content. Mm. Um and but I, there's a core there of uh, you know, maybe Sammy the frog person is very brave or overcomes anxiety or something like oh, that. She used my example. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to run with it. <laughs> Sammy the frog person. Um, it's just, there's so much art that doesn't exist yet. So it's like, why don't you be a part of that? You know mm. what I mean? Like, I like the way you spend it too, because like you can take like a fantastical world and, and create your own type of thing with like the same sort of mechanisms but then have yeah. a subject matter that kind of nails it to your heart a little bit so that way it's 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 still very personal it's very relatable yes and it's just and you're just giving it a better visual anchor that people can relate to because they like those same types of worlds as well for sure it's like it's like people who like you can completely make a brand about how much you love to play video games and and, and you know being a gamer but yeah. you can't just start drawing mario brothers everywhere Exactly. But you but you can draw things in like an 8-bit style. No one owns mm. that style. So it's like there are ways to get around it. And I know there might be a few people listening to this episode like shaking their heads and like, you know what? You're going to do whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> like we can't stop you. We just want to try to help you make that art so much more better and meaningful and something that you can actually make money in the long run with without getting yeah. in trouble. Yeah, yeah. there's there's definitely something there and obviously it's it, it is it's resonating with you um but i mean the the other thing that more recently again has really solidified the the rightness of my decision to to do this the rightness, <laughs> the rightness. well yeah that i mean it, it felt right in my gut but at the same time you know it's just when you have these other things happen that really make you go uh yeah i definitely made the right decision um and that is that um jk rowling does not know when to keep her mouth shut and most of the stuff that is coming out of her mouth at the moment or out of her twitter feed i disagree with on a fundamental level uh, which is a really it's a really uncomfortable place to be and I, i know a lot of harry potter fans are struggling with this at the moment um so she's said a lot of transphobic stuff recently and um a lot of the things she's been saying has been sort of laced with homophobia as well. Um, And I'm bi and I have a lot of friends in the LGBT community, you know, trans friends. And it's just, it it just, it goes against everything I believe in. So at, at this point, I don't want to associate myself with her brand because I feel like if I'm creating art based on, um, Harry Potter, this franchise that has meant so much to me, but now is is sort of starting to sort of ring untrue. Yeah, it's been tainted. Yeah, and it's it's a really it's a really weird place to be because 
you know, I, I feel like these stories have helped to, to build me as a person and they've helped to shape my identity. And it's like, it, it is, it's a betrayal really that, you know, the same woman who created Hermione Granger is now coming out with the stuff that I so deeply disagree with. Um, so in, in what I'm doing at the moment is trying to create the stuff that I wish existed instead of Harry Potter or alongside or, mm. because I mean, just J.K. Rowling has been terrible at include, including um, LGBT characters and you know she came out and said that Dumbledore was gay after oh, the yeah. final book had been published like, oh by the way all these characters are gay I'm actually more inclusive than you thought and Nana Boo Boo <laughs> yeah yeah but that now she's got actually the pr- the the chance to prove that through these new films, the Fantastic Beast films, mm-hmm. and yet she still hasn't made it canon in in the story, and that has been deeply hurtful for a lot of people. Um, and then she's keep keeps on coming out with this other stuff on um, on Twitter that yeah is just is doing a lot of damage to a lot of people. Ugh. So, uh, so what I'm trying to do or what I'm really wanting to do more of in my work now is to be that representation that is is missing in 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 fantasy. I mean, <laughs> fantasy is getting a lot better at being inclusive. I mean, in Game of Thrones, we had a, a much more diverse kind of cast that we've had in in other things in the past i mean you think of uh, lord of the rings it's very white very straight very male um and you get pretty gay vibes from the the films from from, well (laughs) yes but like the ending of lord of the rings you guys didn't need to be in slow motion in a really white room we're all hugging for that long like i was like it's okay (laughs) like I'm i'm here for it but also like i'm confused like, I don't know. I've never had a friendship like that where I just wanted to, like, pillow fight with my girlfriends personally, unless we well, kissed later afterwards. So, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I think it's like, just just make some stuff canon. <laughs> it's like there's so much um, queer coding that happens in in film and, and cinema. It's kind of this cop out for the creators to go, oh, no, oh, no, they're not gay. It's it's fine. This is perfectly family friendly because, of course, queerness is is seen as not family friendly for some unknown reason. Um, yeah. So, where was I, Dina? Where I don't I got know. You? I got very We're just going on this. tangents now. It's just like I don't know if it's like I always think that word family friendly is so weird. Oh, like, why can't we just yeah. call it out for what it is? And it's like traditional, old school, Christian friendly. Mm. Like that's what it is because. I don't know if people know this, but did you know that gay people can have families too? No yeah, way. Yeah, no. And did you know that they've always existed? <gasps> My goodness. I thought like... it was something that just popped up over the last 50 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just so fucking ridiculous. And I, I, that's what I really appreciate. And anytime you're inclusive, it's not like a, a given. Like so many people don't do it with their brands. And yes, as an artist, guess what? You have a brand. You have a platform, even if it's a smaller platform, you have a voice that can actually make a huge difference and help that person be more seen when they're yeah. not used to being that seen For sure. in movies and media, on the internet, and et cetera. I've so had like- a couple of messages in in the past week or so of what one woman said to me, 
oh, I, I've been I've been going through a really hard time recently, and then I saw your post that said that you're sensitive but strong, and this woman in armor who looks just like me, <laughs> and she said it just made me feel so seen and so um, you know, it, it made me feel so much better about myself and like I could I could do this, and <laughs> I, I just I, I nearly broke down in tears. Honestly, it was the most mm. amazing experience. And I think that is an indicator that I'm doing the right thing. And then today we're recording this. Well, it's Valentine's Day where you are, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, still, it's Valentine's still the 14th. Day. The, mm-hmm. the 15th here. But I posted um, this morning uh, a post about, about Valentine's Day. And, you know, you sort of see a lot of stuff about um, self-love and and you know it's okay to be single kind of thing so I wanted to do something a little bit like that uh because I've always felt like on, on Valentine's Day it always makes me feel kind of crap about myself um which isn't something I've really voiced before uh, so I made this post uh, and it says um I solemnly swear to love myself first so not not necessarily to put myself first but to to appreciate and love what who I am before um, sort of externalizing that to other people, which is something I'm terrible at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also talk about um, demisexuality, which is a term I came across a few years ago, again, through, through a piece of art, through a graphic novel um, that really resonated with me and, and made me feel like less of an alien. So demisexual, if, if not familiar, is kind of, it's between being a, a what society thinks is a normal person, you know, sort of sexual person and being asexual. Uh, so it's it's mm. more like um, you, you don't, it, sexual attraction isn't based upon um, upon aesthetics so much as uh, you're having an, an emotional connection with somebody. And mm. um, you know, it usually means you're friends with somebody first and then you know, after you've you've been able to really emotionally connect with them then sexual attraction may or may not occur kind of thing okay so like the ross and rachel effect um i have not watched friends but oh my we'll god go with that. what <laughs> i know you're not like in the united states but like yeah i know on. i know i'm an alien <laughs> <laughs> it's all right though um yeah yeah but the, the the thing the trouble is with that of course is that usually you end up in that that friend zone um mm-hmm. And then, you know, by the time you've come to realize how you feel about somebody, they have very much put you in the box of we're just friends, um, which is kind of a difficult thing to to live with because you kind of realize that likelihood is you're going to be alone forever. <laughs> oh dear, this is getting deep. Uh, but anyway, Aww. I made I made a post about that. This is what happens and, when about... women talk, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um. Because I, I find dating very, very stressful for this reason, because also like, there are so many um, so many expectations, I, I feel. <laughs> and maybe there aren't, but I feel like, you know, the other person no, is, is, is in a, a certain kind of mode and like, am I sexually attracted to this person? And I'm just going, I have no idea how I feel. And I probably won't know for at least six months of spending time with you. <laughs> <laughs> like, and And for that reason, I just, I can't. I can't deal with that. It's way too much stress. Um, anyway, so long story short, um, I made a post about this and somebody messaged me just saying thank you for that and that it made them feel seen and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of power in the 
the words we use uh, to describe ourselves, you know, a lot of people say, oh, labels aren't important. Can we just get rid of labels? But um, I, I think I think they're really important and it's something I want to include a lot more of in my work. I want to include a lot more sort of LGBT themes and basically being that representation that doesn't exist. Um, and... I'm struggling at the moment because a lot of my, you know, when I, whenever I'm drawing uh, a woman in armor, which is kind of the series I'm doing at the moment, they always look like me and I'm trying to... They really do. Well, yeah. <laughs> the, the hair doesn't help. And usually I do use reference pictures of myself. So that that also is... Well, um, there you go. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I mean, I'm that's really to... common though. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that will that will change over time as I as I do more drawings uh, but I'm trying to include people of different skin colors and um, you know that, that's that's the main thing at the moment but I would like to include a, a you know a, a much broader range of um, you know, types of femininity or um, androgyny and you know, just just include as broad a spectrum of society in my work as possible because I'm I'm very aware that there are there are a few instances where I see a character in in media or in a book where I go, this person is like me and this makes me feel seen. And, you know, I'm white. <laughs> and if, if you're not white, then you're going to see even less of that. And that must feel... I mean, it, it must be a, a kind of amazing feeling when you do... Because I know how it feels when I see somebody on screen who reflects how I feel or how I look or how I behave. And um, that's just, it's been such an important part of of my identity and sort of realizing who I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we just need, we just need more of that across the spectrum. And mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to branch out from just my own perspective. Obviously I, I will always start with my own perspective, but um yeah, just trying to be more inclusive, I think, makes a makes a huge difference. And yeah. I'm already seeing that through the, the comments I'm getting. Yeah. And mm. it's just, it's really cool. And like, uh, so I'm like looking through your Instagram and that piece you talked about, the I solemnly swear to love myself first. Yeah. There's this person named 07Rachel07. She's, she's got the 007. Do you get it? Do you get her username? <laughs> Thank you for posting this. It really resonates with me. I'm also coming to terms with years of quote unquote, I guess I'm not attracted enough or quote unquote, I guess my personality is just bad. Thinking instead of switching it to, I don't want that and it's fine and I'm amazing. And if I find someone lucky uh, and if I don't, still lucky me, I have me. Demi might not be the perfect fit for me either, but 2019 was the year I discovered it and 2020 may be the year I embrace it. And it's like, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm tearing up just thinking about it. <laughs> and it's like, and I always try to tell people this. It's like, you don't have to make overly emotional content to build an audience. Like that's mm. not the, the, the moral of the story. It's just more of make content that's relatable to you. Yeah, like, and I use the example, you're like, oh, if you like video games, like, talk about the gamer life. That's not fucking emotional. I mean, maybe there's an emotional <laughs> thing that happens to, I don't know, I'm not a gamer, probably, maybe it's a bad example, but, like, other people who have that same interest are going to relate more to your content. It's just about having, making a connection with people, which is the entire fucking reason we have social media in the first place. 
Yeah. I get so mad. And that's why it's like, stop having this overly curated fucking feed of like pretend smiles and just bullshit, like, per- like picture perfect flat lays. And like, I get it when, like, when you have a brand, like you have to do that. But also like in your captions is really the place you can be like a little bit more buck wild. Like, hey, mm. this is me. This is what this means. This is my why. And like, this is why I'm like so obsessed with TikTok. Because like all my fucking my my there's I, my grid aesthetic is very different on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I have over a hundred videos over there now, and it's all just like just double chins, just double chins everywhere. And it's like bad lighting on my phone. I'm not using like a DSLR or anything like that, even though you can now on TikTok. You can upload via the browser now, which I'm like, no, don't ruin <laughs> TikTok. Um, and it's just like really allowed me to kind of see myself as a person which is so fucking weird to like think of myself as dina the person versus dina the artist or dina or being letter shop like oh i'm letter shop it's like no that's just my fucking job okay like i I also have other interests i also have like a whole entire life and i think something as stupid as starting a new social media platform where everyone where authenticity actually matters and will actually get you more views versus people who are very like structured and making everything look picture perfect with perfect lighting it's just like completely kind of mind fucked me a little bit so it's like hey you guys should check out tiktok i think that's my that's what i have to say and there's always something i i think as women we're often often people think that we are looking for flaws in other people to kind of bring them down but when whenever i see somebody you know posting and they've got a double chin or they they've got they haven't put any makeup on that always makes me feel much better about myself like these people (laughs) are human too (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i try to do that as well i mean i know you said that on our calls i usually have my hair done and have my lipstick on and everything but together yeah but sometimes you know i've just if i've got something to say i'll just go onto instagram and and I'm getting much more comfortable with doing that without putting any makeup on or without having some fancy clothing on or, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's um, b- because that that makes, when I see other people doing it, it makes me feel more seen. So I, I try to reciprocate that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's like scary it. though. It's really scary. And it's, I mean, this is, I'm not very good at, um, kind of talking about my feelings and and my experiences online and I I think that was part of the problem with what I was doing with book design is I could always kind of externalize it I could always talk about myself through these stories that other people had written and it's really scary when you're writing it yourself because it comes from your own experience and that I want to get into more sort of storytelling um beyond just the the single images of women in armor um and and that is that's really frightening because you've got to well for one thing kind of admit to yourself how you what you are how you are all of that and then you've got to externalize that yeah based on what's inside and that's that's terrifying um but at the same time if you're then getting this kind of feedback that's saying Oh wow, this is making me feel like like I'm I'm not I'm not the weird alien. <laughs> then um, and then that in turn makes me feel like like I'm less of an alien because other people are responding to it and saying, oh yeah, me too. And yeah, it probably is a good thing. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. But 
yeah i think i yeah. need to do more of it <laughs> every time i put myself out there it always works i don't know yeah. why and every time I'm terrified and then sometimes I'll like put something out there that I'm like really really excited about that no one gives a fuck and I realize because I focused on making it more pretty than meaningful mm. and then it's like oh well of course no one fucking like this this is a very like on the surface kind of vibe yeah so it's like if I'm gonna be like for, for my personal brain if I'm not gonna be like really emotional I'm gonna try to be funny and sarcastic to mask <laughs> how sad i am in real life um and, and that's what works for me it's just like try different things if you want to do fan art to grow your skills right now fucking do that like we all did that like a lot of us did that but mm. when you're really starting to take things more seriously I, I i very much urge you to like what holly said is what's the why behind why you're making art is it just to promote yourself and make money because people can see right through that shit mm. Well, food for thought. Mind, mind explosion. I don't know. Was that a mind explosion moment? I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I think it's probably time to wrap up the episode because I had all these questions prepared, but you just like went into like a big talking oh, spree and you covered every single one. No, it's fine. You're very great. I love you very much. <laughs> like, like you did a great job. Um, I mean, I, just I, look- I think with the, the fan art thing, I think it, it definitely has its benefits and I wouldn't want to discourage people from doing it, especially when you're starting out. It's it can yeah. really help but you do have to kind of yeah look look beyond a bit and i mean the reasons that i was doing harry potter stuff are going to be different from the reasons that somebody else is doing harry potter stuff um and yeah going through that exercise of yeah figuring out what what the sort of values are in each in each thing that i i really love um has yeah really helped me to I guess better understand myself and understand my taste which is great as well because then you know that if you're looking for another book to read or another show to watch you know if there are certain keywords coming up you go yes this is this is for me <laughs> totally yeah mm, it's, it's very useful in many ways <laughs> there's nothing worse than like when you're on netflix and you read a description it's like well that means absolutely nothing mm-hmm. kids went to a cabin yeah but they were not expecting what was living down the street i'm like god damn you fuck this is meaningless is it a ghost is it a monster is it an ex-boyfriend who's jealous like tell me the plot of the and movie is there lgbt content because i need to know <laughs> I i'm know, much more likely to watch it if i if i know aside from like the the very tiny lgbt section in hulu mm. that's just like oh, that's not what i meant yeah like, i don't and then like I, I remember this one time i was like looking through and i think i like stumbled and it and i was like oh cool they have it and then i realized it was the porn section oh of, i'm like that's not what i wanted i mean maybe later but like i'm not i gotta i just want to take my lunch without having a boner the rest of the day so it's just like i wanted something completely different um mm. so it's just like meh uh so yeah let's all just figure out our wise people it's like it's okay to start somewhere and i think the moral of the story is just like put your more of yourself in your work don't try to be other people don't try to copy other people to a certain extent you just have to figure out who the fuck am i and your work can be incredibly therapeutic in a way of figuring what the fuck that even is yep yeah and i would definitely recommend reading if you're not convinced that you need to find find your why then i would i would recommend Simon Sinek's book, or look at his TED talk at least to, to begin with. Um, he, he talks about the, the golden circle and, you know, most companies know what they do and how they do it, but most companies don't know why they do what they do. And the mm. ones that do know that are the ones that are really great. 
Um, yeah. All right. I have uh, one more question for you, Holly. Let's see okay. if you're better. <laughs> S- tell me about you, your style, what kind of art that you make. Oh, no, I just put me on the spot again. Well, I make, I make feminist art with a fantastical flair. Ooh, tagline. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, and I guess it needs to be something about the power of representation because that's that's pretty key. Uh, so I make work to to make women feel more seen. Um, yeah, I need to work on that. <laughs> There's something there. You're closer. Definitely. You're, I feel yep. it. I mean, that first sentence was, ooh, everyone got, did you guys feel the goosebumps, the feminist <laughs> flair? That was goddamn beautiful. All right. Mm. Everyone work on their pitch. Good, just sort of on the spot. I need to, I need to think. I've been and, asked and this question so that, many but... times. So I'm just like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> like I've done so many like interviews and podcasts and stuff at this point, And then I'll do like a, a Q and a, something that's very like off the cuff. And they're like, mm. Tina, that was such a beautiful answer. I'm like, it's because I've been asked this question a thousand times. Yeah. Like every yeah. fucking time I do a live stream, guaranteed, guaranteed the question pops up. What's your inspiration? It's like, God damn it. I hate this question. Like I literally, so I do a live stream every week on Letter Shop and the first fucking question, what's your inspiration? I'm like, oh, just give me, oh, be original. Like I hate it. Every interview, what's your inspiration? Like why does everyone, oops, I just punched my fucking desk. Like why does everyone care so much? It's like, it's everything. It's everyone. It's myself. It's the movies. It's my dog. It's my body. It's my feelings. It's everything. Like that's the answer. Every time for everyone. (laughs) Stop asking. Um, I think everyone's just like, what's your secret? Is this this one book? Is it this one coffee shop? Tell me. And it's like, it's it's not that yep. granular, you guys. It's it's more open than that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm just ranting because I want to talk to Holly more. But okay, let's wrap up the episode. And also, I bet you 100%, like 100 people right now are thinking, Dina, you didn't ask the most important question that I need to know about Holly. And that is, where the fuck is she from? Where am I? Oh, goodness me. Now, this is, this is the, honestly the hardest question. <laughs> Where does my funny accent come from? Um, so I live in New Zealand and I've grown up here. I was born here um, and I've always had this weird English accent. <laughs> and all my all my friends used to think that I was putting it on, but I'm not. I just can't speak any other way. <laughs> my parents are British, which goes some way towards explaining it. Um, but my dad's Scottish and my mom's from Somerset, where they talk like, where be that blackbird too? <laughs> <laughs> like that like farmer speak <laughs> all right um yeah so i don't know listening to Probably too many harry potter too many posh audiobooks when i was younger i don't know maybe yeah yeah that could be it but honestly if, if i could just go to having a, a new zealand accent especially when i was younger i would have because <laughs> you know it would have saved me so much strife <laughs> Oh man. Oh, well, it's better than when I was a baby and all my everyone in my life did baby talk to me, so my accent was baby talk. Oh no. <laughs> so don't fucking do that to your kids, you guys. It'll fuck them up. I had like a horrible speech impediment until I went into like kin- like preschool or kindergarten where I was around other people who like talked to me like a fucking person and not like who's a little baby, she baby be like I'm the baby. Like fuck this. I was so <laughs> mad about it. And I had like a weird like Spanglish accent because of my dad and my grandmother moving in with us. And now it's just whatever this is. I don't know. As an American, I'm just like, it's an American accent. I'm I'm pretty sure. But then America has all the different accents. I don't know what the rules are. 
I just yeah. don't feel unique, but I probably am. I don't know. Anyways, let's wrap Every, up this everyone's, episode. Everyone's unique, Dana. <laughs> I'm a butterfly. <laughs> um, okay, so Holly, how can we promote you? Um, well, I I have got some new products coming out, hopefully in the next week or two, um, including some women in armor on, on T-shirts and things. Ooh. So that's... That's happening soon. So I have be ordered some enamel pins, but my goodness, how long is that going to take? I know. <laughs> I ordered two enamel pins three months ago because of the virus. Yeah. It's like I'm not getting everything's made in China, so it's like fuck. Well, my producers have that. said that the they're closing the factory for another week after Chinese New Year, uh, but then they should be up and running again, and I should have it no later than mid March. But, I mean, at this point, I don't care because nothing's like a bonus virus sent to all your fucking fans and customers. <laughs> it's like, oh, you thought you were getting a nail pin? You're getting a trip to the hospital. You're welcome. Like, it's, it's probably it's very a good thing. Like, I, well, I will wait. It's fine. Oh, no, I think it's more the, the, the health of the workers um, because it, it's not going to be transferred in packages. They're still sending packages out as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless it's they're not sending out petri dishes, hopefully of, of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know okay. how it works. I've just seen like videos on TikTok of like people who are in like certain areas of China that are still working and going to their day jobs, and like literally, it's like cubicles covered in plastic. Yeah, I'm like, what? Or like, if they're on an elevator, there's like a cup full of toothpicks, and you take a toothpick and you hit the button on the elevator, then put it in the garbage, like oh. just like that far of an extent goodness that's very efficient of them yeah wow i'm like okay that's the kind of paranoid thing i would do yeah and this podcast won't come out for a while Mm. because i'm like i've decided to not release them until after i come back from vacation so everyone's like valentine's day yeah it's like why'd you remind me of the day i sat alone in my apartment like why you gotta be like that i forgot about that it was months ago it's like i'm sorry i I can come to terms with the fact that i just came out on the internet (laughs) <laughs> well you have months to just like be okay with it yeah by the time it, the episode oh no I, i'm now gonna go away dina and worry that i've said the wrong things oh, for the next for weeks fine. and weeks i'm bisexual too it's fine everyone's sexy everyone's so hot have you seen women oh those breasticles i'm telling you i think there's something to them i'm like you know what i mean i don't think any woman on the planet could be like girls are gross it's like but you want to look like a woman like you like as someone who's bisexual and everyone's had a girlfriend it's like this weird combination of being like i want you but i also want to be you like it always made me like a bit weird like i I could never draw the line with my female friendships i'm like do i want to be inside you or do i just want to like wear your clothes like it it was such a hard line for me but anyways everyone on the podcast is like dina we need you to stop talking about vaginas right now like this is not what this is about like oh, well, i'm sorry it, it my is bad women of illustration women of illustrate women of in your vagina anyways we'll talk mm. to you guys later in the next episode i'm not funny i'm not bad dina no not funny okay bye okay, bye <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast holly love you thanks dina bye. guys please follow fantastical feminism on instagram and if you would like to i was about to like disconnect i'm like wait i have to promote things damn it how do you go from vaginas to support me on patreon just like this <laughs> if you would like to support the podcast please consider giving us a dollar on patreon.com slash women of illustration if you would like to be featured and cut the line because currently you can be promoted for free using the hashtag women of illustration on instagram we have over three hundred thousand followers and uh it's pretty cool and if you want to get featured it's fifty dollars 
Actually, by the time this fucking episode comes out, it's probably going to be more money. So I shouldn't say prices um, because we grow 50 to 70,000 followers every month, um, which I'm not used to. It makes me uncomfortable. But I'm glad that you guys are doing the content. That's really nice of you. Um, but yes, please support us on Patreon and please support Fantastical Feminism. Okay, now I'll Yay. leave. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs> Thanks, for, <laughs> Thanks for being my friend on the internet. Bye.